Hey, wonderfuls, welcome to this re-release of Emily Gordon's episode of the podcast. I had been thinking about wanting to re-release this one because as you guys know, um, Emily always has amazing stuff going on. She's working on an adaptation of Cynthia Debris Sweeney's book, The Nest. She's working on uh, an Apple show. Um, the Big Sick, obviously, was huge, huge, huge and amazing. And um, this episode was actually recorded in 2013, which blew my mind when I went back to see when it was. Um, but it's episode 56 with Emily. And I find her to just be such an inspiring, uh, down to earth, wonderful person. I wanted to put this episode back out into the world afresh. I know you know Sketchfest is coming up and then I'm heading up there extremely soon. Please bear with me as I try to get as many new episodes out to you as possible in the craziness that is the festival hoping to see some of you in person and lastly just wishing everyone a very 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 happy new year is uh, 100% fine. Beautiful. What if you just really let him rip to the point where it wasn't even necessary? Like, oh, my fucking dad is so great. <laughs> my fucking Emily, dad is fucking cunting awesome. Um, <laughs> Emily, I don't... I mean, you could scale it back a tiny bit. This is how I am, and if you don't like it, it's oh just me. Oh, God. <laughs> well, the first thing that I want to do, because it's fresh in our minds, is uh, have you retell what you just said right before we started about Scott, because Scott came... And lay down kind of on your feet. Literally on my feet. He's literally, literally I'm feet. sitting on the couch and he t- just set the scene. And uh, he's lying on my feet. And what I heard, and I have no idea if this is a, an urban legend or whatever legend, but I heard that back in the day in like uh, Massachusetts and the in the New England area in churches, they would um, lend out dogs for you to sit on your feet during church. And that's where hot dogs come from. <laughs> No idea if that's I right. Want it to be true. I mean, we do. I mean, we're recording on a device that could show us whether or not that's true. There's no point in Googling. But I don't want to yeah. Google it yeah. because I want to live at least for a little while longer with the idea that you could go to church and like check in almost like at a coat check. Yeah. Where you would check, check in out and a dog. pick the dog of your choosing. Yeah. A hot dog. It makes sense also somehow that it would be a dog like a dachshund because a dachshund is like oh, long yeah. and small. Yeah. And so it seems like it would be a good foot warmer. Foot, I, d- foot I gotta warmer say though, Scott to... is really bringing it with the foot warmer. It's still good great. to know. It's a big, nice heft to this dog. He, uh, and he is very fuzzy. So congratulations. <laughs> I hope that's should we true. Say, maybe we should sing, sing a few hymns. <laughs> they would loan out dogs in churches? That just seems crazy I would to go me. to church if that was still happening. I, I would, if they would, or just any animal. And like, whose dog is it? Just somebody's like, my donation to the church is that I lend out my dog every Sunday? It's got to be a domesticated dog. It can't be a feral dog because those dogs are just going to try you know to eat I stuff. can't. I do have We're to gonna look Google? it up. All I right. just have to look it up. What if I'm wrong? What um, are you, what if is, you just made that up in your head, you're amazing. <laughs> also, this is weird to type in hot dog origin. <laughs> Suddenly it feels like I'm trying to look up like Wolverine's past. Yeah, this is definitely hot dog origin. Hot dog origin of name. Hot dog. But what about the hot dog hot dog? I think when I was there, this is just saying like, oh, that is a meat stick that you put in a bun. Why call it a hot dog? What thing in that food have relation with dog? 
Good, I'm good going job, to straightdope.com to find out because <laughs> the, the way that question was. The uh, the thing I used to, and I don't know if anybody else would have ever gotten these, but as a kid, I used to get these little books that were books of factoids, like just like a thousand factoids per book. And they would just have these like little vignettes of like weird stuff you didn't know. Yeah. Like, uh, ducks rape each other and stuff like that. And I believe... I, I guess I did know that too. Yeah. I believe that this is where I read All the right, hot Here's dog. what I've got. Here's what I can tell you from Straight Dope. Um, the commonly told story is that Hot Dog began on a cold day in New York's polo grounds in the early 1900s and food concessionaire Harry Stevens began selling sausages and long buns to warm up his shivering customers. Supposedly, sports cartoonist T.A. Dorgan captured the event in a drawing depicting the sausages as dachshund and calling them hot dogs because he couldn't spell frankfurter. Nice story, but it's just baloney. <laughs> Barry Popick uh, established that the term hot dogs was current at Yale in the fall of 1894 when dog wagons sold hot dogs at the dorms. The name is sarcastic comment on the provenance of the meat. Did the, the national... What? Oh, so it's dog meat. None of this is giving us what we want to know. Yeah, that would... What? That... Maybe Google hot dog, Google dogs, warm church. Dogs, warm church. We'll do. Welcome to dogs, warm church. Dogs, warm <laughs> Here's another here's another website called Today I Found Out, and then I'll go to. Well, that's a good site. That sounds like a good site. Yeah. Do you have hot random sites like that? You guys. Myth. Hot dog was. I don't. I'm. I'm terrible at just like surfing on the web. Period. Mm. I unless I'm on the computer for work. What happens is that if I sit down and I start responding to tweets or Facebook stuff or whatever, then that's Rabbit what hole. I do for two hours, yeah. and then I can't wait to get off the computer. So I don't have a lot of fun on. That's the computer. actually great. I, I think I would like it better if I didn't have as much fun on the computer. Yeah. Well. We're having fun right now. Now <laughs> we're you're doing it all. <laughs> um, all right. Listen, here we go. Yeah, this is the... So where did the term hot dog actually come from? Dating back at least as early as the 1880s, it became common to call sausages dogs due to the fact that people never knew exactly what meat was included in the sausages they were buying. Hmm. Around that time, there were a lot of rumors that horse and dog meat were being commonly used to make sausages. But we don't say hot horses. <laughs> certainly true although hot horses mm, delicious there was even a song about this written in 1860 and the first documented accusations of dog meat being used in sausages is from 1845 though the university students clearly didn't invent the name it is thought that it was college students that popularized the name as referring to hot sausages and buns around this time lunch wagons serving hot sausages and buns became common on college campuses the bun being so people could eat the hot sausages while they walked between classes. These lunch wagons were somewhat similar in quality of food to modern-day roach coaches, so the students took to calling them dog wagons, with their product being hot dogs referred to referring to the rumor that low-quality sausages were made from dog meat. Okay, I'm just going to see if anyone else thinks that hot dog origin, warm feet, church. church. <laughs> hot dog machine warmer. No. What did I there's a there's a there's a realm of the universe where I either made this up or my grandmother this, told me this. I'm so much happier that you were wrong than I Wait, are we would sure be than you were right. I cannot find a thing about That's crazy that even the internet doesn't dogs have anything well, about I can this. I see nothing about I'm, dogs warming people's amazed. feet in church. I'm horrified and amazed <laughs> and perplexed. This has been wonderful. <laughs> Oh my gosh, it makes me wish I could ask you about the etymology of a million other things just in case you have more of yeah, those gems. What wrong stories do in I your have back about pocket. other things that I've been telling other people? You yeah. Guys. Other people have been and hearing these. It still hasn't landed someone on the internet. Someone needs to start a Tumblr. Can someone start a Tumblr when you hear this of hot dog warm church feet? Is that hot what dog warm church feet. <laughs> hot dog warm church feet. You guys. Oh, guys. <laughs> 
That is that was an amazing. I'm glad that we took that little uh, turn yeah. on Google to find I out how too. long you were. Um, uh, what else did I want to talk about? Well, I will say quickly that I was kind of tidying up this room before you got here and any excuse I can have to put on the television when I'm supposed to be doing something else. Mm -hmm. I typically do. Mm -hmm. I'm be honest about that. I wish I were cooler. And I was like, I don't do TV. You guys, the new cool is to do TV. Oh, good. Oh, good. What a relief. What a relief. Okay. Um, so I somewhere along the line a couple weeks ago was having a conversation with someone and this is, I mean, how many times has this been talked about on a podcast and I don't even do pop culture stuff on the podcast. But I felt it was time for me to watch The Wire again. So you have watched oh, it before, yes. and this is your- heavens, yes. yes. But I just when I get in, when I'm like, it's one of those things. I remember having this conversation about um, The West Wing with uh, Mike Blyden. Do you know Mike? I don't think so. Um, years and years ago, when I was just kind of. I didn't watch The West Wing when it was on, so I kind of like stumbled across it or whatever. Someone told me to watch it here um, years and years ago. And uh, and he said, when I said something like, oh, I'm just watching The West Wing for the first time, it's really lovely. Like there's some great characters in there. And he sort of looked off into the distance nostalgically and said, oh, that show really got me through some hard times. Aww. And <laughs> I understand that. Yeah. In ter- you know, just how the relationship that we have with when to, we're watching, to when thing, we're yeah. watching mm-hmm. stuff. And I don't want to say that the wire got me through a hard time because that's not really true. But when I devoured it for the first time, because I didn't watch it when it was on, cause I didn't have it. Yeah. Um, and just watched all of it in mm-hmm. like as quickly as possible, 100%. just wide awake, mm-hmm. not unlike the Portlandia sketch where Fred and Carrie just can't stop <laughs> watching Battlestar Galactica. Galactica. And uh, uh, that is how it felt for sure with The Wire. And I felt incredibly depressed when I finished. Mm -hmm. Like I was in a deep state of mourning like all my friends had died. Which I know isn't healthy. I mean, that's not healthy. And I got a really great email from a listener um, where we were sort of talking about the, you know, how insidious uh, television addiction can be and, and how escapist it is. But, um, and it's funny cause it's not even escaping to a reality that you would want to live in. No, you're right. You Especially don't want to live the in wire. Baltimore. Yeah. You don't want to body more. Yes. You don't want that. Yeah. But it doesn't matter. It's still escapist because it's, it's definitely something that's more intense than the life that you're leading. Yeah. Uh, that's a great point. Yeah. It, it, that's, that show we just, we, I watched it for the first time this past year. Like had never okay, seen it before. So, yeah. so I, so I took a couple years off. After watching it, my I described it as hair. I was like, "This is what heroin addicts mm-hmm. feel like." I'm sure it was like fresh in my mind because of the content of the wire. But I was like, "This is what heroin addicts feel like," and I need methadone. I need oh, yeah. to find something. And I was reaching out to people, what all my do? TV yeah. nerd friends, saying, "What do I do?" And they were like, "You should watch uh, The Shield." And I said, oh. "Okay." So I watched all the seasons of The Shield, and I will say that it was probably how heroin addicts feel about methadone, which is. This will do. This will do. I'll take it. But it's a nice barely. step down. It's, yeah, it'll occupy my time. Yeah. Um, but you need so a step down. So I did down. go through it, but I needed a step down. Yeah. And then I will say even further, a further step down, uh, which I didn't go right into, but later on was Sons of Anarchy, oh, which I, I never that. thought that I would be into, but it turns but out I was. Yeah. yeah. I haven't watched the last season. I think I have, wasn't really that into, but, and, and didn't finish. But anyway, so I, a couple weeks ago was like, I guess it's time. It's time for me to see my old friends. So I've been, McNulty. I've been watching it and do, and, and it's a good thing to do with while I'm doing other things. Cause I've seen it more than I've actually actually seen it more than once uh before now and uh and so that's what i did while i was waiting for 
you was I put on an episode of The Wire while I was tidying up. I've never heard of anyone casually watching The Wire. Though. I, it's not, and it, the, to be honest, it's not even particularly casual because I'm sucked in within yeah. 30 seconds. Yeah. But if I put it on with the idea that like I'm going to do some other activity with it, then it feels, I feel less guilty about the fact that I should be writing and instead I'm watching that's The Wire. That's true. That's certainly, I see, I just do <sighs> that with like trashy TV because I feel like yeah. that's my only opportunity to really watch that because I'm not going to be that engaged in it. Right. And then two hours later, I'm like in uh, America's Next Top Model. Okay, that uh, was American. my question. Was what's your what's your trash? I have I have trash problems. I don't like like the Real Housewives show. I don't never really seen like, it. Yeah, I don't really love any of those. But I will. I love a model or a fashion competition. Okay, well, first of all, the only show I watch is Project Runway. Like it's that. amazing. The only reality yeah. show I watch. Yeah, I'm very into it. I laugh at it because the product placement makes me laugh. It's, I laugh it's at it great because HP Intel. Yeah, I mean uh, it's so it dumb. Really helps my creativity come out. I know, <laughs> and the drama part of it, I don't particularly. I mean, when they get in their testimonials and they sort of, uh, you can tell that they've been coached to say something shitty. I definitely roll my eyes at that, but I do love the aesthetic of it. I do love seeing what people create. I do love those runway shows. I feel the same. And America's Next Top Model, I watched for uh, probably 12 seasons or cycles or whatever they called it for the same reason. I just was fixated, not really on the girls' drama, but, like, those photo shoots. The, I loved watching the photo shoots. It's I love so interesting. Yeah. Did you watch the, um, did, well, first of all, did you watch the September issue? The, the documentary oh, about Vogue? No. Oh, you're going to love it. Really? You will love it because you like those shows. That's okay. like the combination of both. It's so good. You, they interview all these different people about Vogue. I wasn't even a huge Vogue reader. Yeah, but, sure. Um, but, but there is sort of a... To a much lesser degree than something like um, uh, King of Kong, mm-hmm. there's this sort of incidental like protagonist and antagonist I thing that, that develops. Happens, yeah, and the protagonist in uh, September issue is you just love her so much. So I'm really excited for you to see that. And then there's also a couple of other HBO documentaries that I sort of I just of saw the one that's like the, the one about models. modeling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I've been kind one. of watching that like yeah. on and off. It's good. It's, it's very interesting. Good. Yeah. I was actually watching it with my parents and it was interesting to watch it with my parents. Yeah. Having like, it's like Isabella Rossellini yeah, and Beverly. Yeah. Knew. All those yeah. people have been around for a long time. Yeah. Um, yeah. I can't. I know. Who, who would have known? And also it's funny when you hear models like that, that you just kind of never heard speak but that were just around exactly. as a kid yeah i wasn't expecting her to sound so like hey my dad saved <laughs> these uh you know because she's <laughs> it's like when you hear adele or mariah carey speak for the first time and you're like yeah. what you make those sounds yeah and also these other yeah. ones like how do you totally not ready for it no <laughs> totally not ready for it oh yeah i i can't but the problem with project runway is and well it makes sense with both is that we've unfortunately picked two shows that you can't really watch casually because it's all visual. Yeah. The only things we care about are visual. Yeah. So you can't be doing something else and listening because who cares who's yeah. mad at who? I say that I am, but I'm not. I, I'm just you sitting with like my really laptop on them. my lap <laughs> just exactly. watching it. Yeah, it's, exactly. it's kind of nice. And if you like those two shows, the combination of those two shows for me is RuPaul's Drag Race. And Oh, I've heard such good things about RuPaul's Drag Race. It's the best television show. It is 
absolutely the best because they RuPaul specifically does not encourage. She wants all the guys to get along. You know, like wants everyone to like. It's all about we have to support each other, and so they'll have like they'll get catty, and then they'll be like a testimonial from one of their dads, and then everybody's sobbing and like supporting each other. And um, yes, I love the sound yeah. of that. It, it really helped. Uh, drag queens in general have really helped me kind of understand my ladiness and kind of help me like celebrate. Like they're celebrating this thing that they had to create yeah. from the ground up. Like. How, why wouldn't I celebrate That's something? That's really interesting. Yeah. I like that. Drag queens have had a huge uh, impact on my life in general, but that show is just like, and it's also modeling and it's also, they have to make their clothes. And yeah. It's like, it's they everything. have to make their clothes? They, some of them do, some of them don't, but most of the time. Some but of their them, own styling yeah. and like responsible for sort of yeah. how they create their persona and they all that kind of stuff. They have to do like, you know, runway outfits and stuff. It's, uh, it's, that one I won't even say is trash watching. I just watch it. It's genuinely. a great show. Yeah. I got to watch that. I did see RuPaul at Whole Foods on uh, Fairfax and Santa Monica one day. Um, I should say, I mean, it was RuPaul. I don't want to say she because he was dressed as he was dressed as a man, mm-hmm. but he was wearing, first of all, you know how tall he is, even so without tall. heels. He's so incredibly tall. He's so striking, so attractive with or without makeup. And he was wearing a, like a beautiful purple suit, just you know, like just Herman, like ridiculous yeah. over the top. But I guess if you're him, yeah, do whatever you want, do it. Yeah. And he did look like a million bucks and the way he carried himself and I would die just I'd... like aware that the world was watching, sure. but sort of still in, in his private headspace He's like over 50. He's amazing. Yeah, it's he, he looks incredible. He stuns me. Like the, what he did, and like if you'll go and watch videos which I've done of him in like the early '90s, late '80s when he was just like a club kid in New York, he was still RuPaul. Yeah, like he always knew he was RuPaul. It just took the rest of the world to <sighs> catch up. I'm like obsessed. I have a problem. Well, and I'm interested in that, and I want to hear more about the effect that that drag queens have had on your life because that feels like a very nice in. <laughs> but. Um, <laughs> Isn't that so interesting? Even just from, I mean, I think drag queens are a really great example of the sort of phenomenon that both straight, gay, male, female, anybody, celebrity, uh, what what certain people are really good at, like Madonna creating kind yeah. of the brand Madonna. This idea of like creating a persona that somehow outside of yourself, but is still organically you. Yeah. I couldn't feel further away from that. I feel like yeah. all I know how to do is be me. Yeah. Not even a version of me, just yeah. me. Yeah, and to have to have I'm like so a, intrigued by yeah. this idea of like, even just the Marilyn Monroe, like all of that stuff where people have said, oh, I, or Isabel Rossellini says it in that thing. Or no, no, it was um, someone else in that modeling documentary says, uh, it was like, um, oh, it was, um, Paulina Poroskova, I think I love her, yeah. someone says it was, I was always removed from the pictures. I was, I would always look at them and say, she looks good. Ooh, Almost as really if it were someone else that. that she was looking at. Ooh. And that this, so there's a, there's that idea of separating, understanding that who you are when you look in the mirror is different than who ends up in that photograph or in that music video or, you know, on tour or whatever. I mean, what do you think about that? I suppose the idea, like, you would start it from the beginning maybe as a way to protect yourself. Like, you don't want to expose your real self to all these people to be rejected or whatever. So you would have to make a persona in order to be like, okay, if you're rejecting me, you're just rejecting this person. It's not even me. It's fine. And then at a certain point, I guess maybe it just kind of starts blending together in a Mm. way. Mm. Because I don't know that, like, I don't know. What is Lady Lady Gaga doing when she's, like, Madonna's still Madonna, even if she's at home. Like, she's not going to, at this point, she's never not Madonna. Right. There maybe was a point. 
Like when she started having a British accent, remember that? Yes, yeah, I definitely. The whole do. Guy Ritchie era. I, there was a point where she got maybe a little too in love, I feel like, with the persona that she'd created. Yeah. But she's never not that person, I think, yeah. anymore. Maybe she wasn't one And maybe point. that's true. I mean, and that's probably a good example of it being true of RuPaul also, is that if maybe you're just... It takes a certain kind of person to be able to understand that at an early age and yeah. kind of work with it. But I was even... I was reading a friend of mine, um, Ty, one of my best friends, kept had given me the book, The War of Art. I'm pointing to it because I happen to know where it is on the bookshelf. She's pointing to it right now. Um, but it's this book called The War of Art and it's it's all about sort of, you know, resistance and and um, he really specifies, you know, for, for the guy who wrote it is the guy who wrote The Legend of Bagger Vance and all this oh, other wow. stuff. And, um, and so he, he's really talking about it from the point of view of a writer, but he's talking about all these different forms of resistance that creative people create for themselves, uh, i.e. self-doubt, rationalization, sabotage, sabotage hmm. uh, distractions, all of that kind of stuff. And um, and one of the things, one of the little sections of the book, because it's just a lot of like, some pages are just, you know, three paragraphs of an idea. Then you turn the page and there's a new title of some other kind of concept that he wants you to like think on. But one of them is... Um, this idea of being able to separate your art from yourself and that you have to, you have to be able to do that, that you have to be able to be passionate about it and fierce about it, but also remove your vulnerability, at least to the degree that you can take criticism or you can market yeah. it or you can put it out into the world. Otherwise you'll just kind of smother it inside yourself. And, and you'll, you'll never afraid. ever let it out. That's and that's what true. it reminds me. In fact, he uses the example of, um, of people incorporating here in LA as like, it, that's not, he said, I know that this isn't the reason that people do it, mm -hmm. but he thinks of it as being kind of a cool way that you've physicalized mm -hmm. the fact that like you're alone out, like you're a corporation, yeah. you're hiring the corporation of me. You're not hiring me as a person. So if you don't like my script, that's the corporation. That you know helps. what I mean? Yeah. But I feel like when your art, the thing or your art, it sounds so pretentious, but it is what it is. Like I do a lot of writing of personal essays. So for me, when I write, personal essays and they get published and people are attacking me for them. I'm like, well, you are attacking something I made that I is far know. away, but it's also, it is also so me. personal. Yeah. It's, it's just, like, I mean, how could it get more personal? I'm doing a podcast. How yeah. could it get more personal? Yeah. So it's when, not like I get on the podcast and have like podcast persona. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You wouldn't even know if how somebody to. doesn't like me on the podcast, I guarantee listening? they would hate me in life. Also, why are you listening? I know. Why do you listen to things you don't like you guys? Stop. I know. <laughs> Okay, we're going to take a break. I will be back after a word from our wonderful buddies at Maximum Fun. Dead Pilot Society brings you exclusive readings of comedy pilots that were never made, featuring actors like Patton Oswalt. So the vampire from the future sleeps in the dude's studio during the day, and they hunt monsters at night. It's Blade meets the odd couple. <laughs> Adam Scott and Jane Levy. Come on, Corey. She's too serious, too businessy. She doesn't know the hokey pokey. Well, she'll learn what it's all about. <laughs> Busy Phillips and Dave Keckner. Baby, this is family. My uncle Tell, who showed his wiener to Cinderella at Disneyland, is family. Do you want him staying with us? He did stay with us for three months. And he was a delight. <laughs> A new pilot every month, only on Dead Pilot Society for Maximum Fun. I think one of the reasons that what works about, at least for me, what I like doing about the podcast is that I don't mind getting 
specific and personal and detailed about the past. Like mm-hmm. I don't mind talking about my teenage years because it was it was a long time ago, and yeah, if people benefit it. from mm-hmm. understanding and kind of imagining what my life was like then, I, d- I guess I don't talk that much about my personal relationships yeah. now. That's, um, that's it. That's it. And who knows? Maybe in twenty years, I'll feel like talking about those. But it's kind of cool because I think that's like hopefully the guests feel the same way is that they can talk about things that are really personal that at the time they were happening they would never have wanted to talk about. But yeah. now that they're done, um, who cares? Yeah. yeah. Once you like once things are processed, and I think a lot of people don't end up you don't end up talking about stuff from your teenage years a lot until you're like around this age, and then. Like, that's how you kind of make peace with it. Like I've made, I mean, I've made peace with a lot of stuff in my teenage years, but I feel like I've, I've gotten to know myself as a teenager more now. Interesting. Well put. Yeah. Really well put. Well, <laughs> well, let's, let's put it into context then. And then we can go back to drag queens, drag queens, drag queens. Um, where were you, where were you when you were a teenager? I was in North Carolina. I was in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, which okay. is right. We are three biggest companies are Krispy Kreme. Gotta be sh- cigarettes. RJR. Okay. Cigarettes. And, uh, Texas Pete. Those are our three companies. Wait, what's Texas Pete? It's the hot sauce. It's not oh, made in Texas. Oh, okay. It's made in my hometown. I'm sorry that I didn't know what Texas Pete was. You know what? It's totally fine. But I just love that If you like, said uh, Tabasco, Tabasco, I would have understood what I that was. I think that's supposed to be different, right? Yeah, I'm sure Texas it is. Pieces, I don't know. Uh, but yeah, we have hot sauce, uh, donuts, and uh, all cigarettes. You Those are our things. All you mm-hmm. need. We're like a AA meeting. Yeah. Of. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so that is where I grew up. I love that the hot sauce makes it into the AA meeting. Um, what... So when you were a kid, um, I'm assuming you were the donut of the hot sauce donut and <laughs> cigarette. If I was one of the three, I suppose I was... What about when you were a teen? Were you the Winston-Salem? I never smoked. Okay. I never, ever smoked because my parents both worked for RJR. And oh, they to did. me, the only way I could really rebel was to not smoke. Isn't that interesting? That's, did your parents smoke? They did. They both did. They don't anymore, but Whoa, they both did. Yeah. That was, is a trip. It was also, I think, really hard for them because they didn't want us to smoke, but they also had to kind of buy into this company that they worked for so they'd be like smoking is not good for you but it's fine oh my to gosh do. and they i'm you know they had to like yeah. pay for my education it paid for me growing up cigarettes paid for everything wow, that so, is fascinating speaking of the wire because it kind of reminds you of i mean for someone like me who's comes from a family of educate you know i come like my both my parents were teachers mm-hmm. and stuff um it can get really easy i think to be, live in this kind of I would say intellectually privileged or creatively privileged, whether or not, I mean, many of my friends have no money. I don't have a lot of money, but, um, but that we are privileged in our society of where we are because of its liberalism and stuff Mm -hmm. that we do kind of forget about Americans, Americans who (laughs) understand factory work, who don't have jobs anymore and traditions that don't necessarily apply to us in the, in the lives and professions that we've chosen now, but that, there is that, you know, and I get so up in arms about like certain conservative points of view where I'm like, you know what? Cut, get rid of the cigarette factory. We'll deal with it. We'll figure something out. <laughs> but I don't have a solution. Yeah. You know exactly. what I mean? I don't have a job for that person to have. Those, and, and that definitely both my parents had to retire early because cigarettes have gotten less popular over time. And they're, you know, they were both fine with it. And like my mom was an interior designer there and my dad was an engineer neither of them were like making the cigarettes yeah but uh they both they both have definitely that company is downsized so much because people aren't smoking anymore which is great yeah but it's also not they it's not great for them they consider it a civil rights issue they absolutely do it's, it's interesting. so tricky. Yeah. It do is you tricky. have conversations with them about this? Yeah. And now that they don't smoke and, you know, and I, I've never smoked and yeah. no one in our family really smokes. They're like, yeah, it's, you know, mm. but you just, 
they work there for like 30 years because this is also wow. people would work in companies for 30 years. Yes, they absolutely. They used to do that. Uh, and absolutely. They don't do it now. And Did they you all- talk about it with them when you were a teen? Like, did you have a sense of... I would, I would often be like, oh, cigarettes are bad and it's so stupid and you know they're bad for you. And they would be like, uh, shut your mouth. Uh, oh. They're paying for everything. Uh, yeah. You need to... like. They're like, it's just not a good thing for you to do, but who you can't tell anyone else that they can't do it. And the same way that they used how I was rebellious, again, like, I, like, let people do what they want. If you're saying that you want to do what you want, then other people need to do what they want and smoke if they want to smoke. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's kind of hard to argue. It's, it's tough, right? Um, and do you have brothers and sisters? I have one older sister. Okay. Yeah. And so, okay, so Winston-Salem... Donuts, cigarettes, and hot sauce. Hot sauce. What was your um, community like? What was your high school like? Uh, I was transferred to a different high school than the middle school that I, I I was on track to go to a different high school, and I got transferred because I was uh, I was bullied a lot in middle school, mm-hmm. uh, and I it was a, I went to uh, an academically gifted program that was in just kind of a more country part where it's all country, but it was more country. And I was uh, frequently called a communist and an N-word wow. lover and <gasps> all the things. Wow. And oh, there were good Emily. people in my middle school too, but for the most part, it was kind of just ugh, real stressful and terrible. And middle oh. school is never good for anybody. Um, yeah, I didn't have a great... Yeah. Why, why would anyone... Most of my negative memories are... Have, well, elementary school too. So if you have times, a good but... middle school experience, I'm, I'm worried about you. <laughs> Generally, like, it's, it's, not, it's, it's not a good time. It's not it's supposed rough. to be a good time. There's too much going on. Yeah. Um, so for high school, and also this high school was actually closer to my house, and it just made more sense. So they transferred me to this high school that was a little more liberal and had more, like, drama program and, like, had... Just seemed a little more worldly. Sure. And so I was actually transferred and started over with like people I didn't know in high school. Was that, and how did that feel? I mean, were you relieved or was there almost, there was. It was great. Sometimes it's like the devil, you know, where you're starting something brand new and you don't even, you really don't know what's going to be like either. Yeah. I immediately kind of fell in with like, uh, you know, people and I, it was, it was actually a lot easier to start over than to continue like fighting this uphill battle of like, mm. oh no, I'm not a communist. Oh, like, please don't wash the dye out of my hair. Like, so they don't. thought, so yeah. So what did, what, what, what color dye was it? Um, the first time I did it, I did it with markers and it was like oh. pink and blue. Love it. And then, uh, and then I just kept doing it with markers and then like my freshman year, I graduated to Manic Panic. We all know mm-hmm, Manic Panic. Mm-hmm. And my father helped me dye my hair pink. Aww. And uh, I remember he was like helping me do it in the kitchen. And he was like massaging it into my head. And I was like, thanks. And then my mom came in and saw it and was like, what are you doing? And my dad immediately just chirped out. He was out. <laughs> he was gone. <laughs> Uh, he was out of there and it's still a thing that we joke about it was like he just chirped out and I was like where are where oh and I was like no I'm alone uh, but she my mom was very she did not she thought it would mess up my popularity or my chances of having friends or my chances of I don't know whatever she was very upset that I would do that to myself which to me I was like it's hair dye it's not yeah. a big deal but did you have other friends who were kind of doing that or oh, were you yeah, really yeah. a loner okay no. so you so your, was your whole group of friends yeah bullied? we were all oh come on it was like how was, many people were in your group of friends probably like I'd say like eight or nine okay. yeah and we were so like you had each other at least oh yeah, yeah yeah we were we were tight and we were all uh we just thought we were super super cool and nobody realized this is like 1994 so it's like yeah we were all into like fugazi and and uh pearl jam and nirvana and we just thought we were like we were like oh we're the coolest people in yeah. this town yeah well at least you, i mean that's huge because yeah. to, to be left alone completely you know i've talked to some girls who really did feel like 
they just didn't have anyone. Yeah. You know, they just had themselves yeah. and maybe somebody outside of school, but just to feel that kind of like tumbleweed, you know? Yeah. And that's definitely how middle school was, but I was, I was very lucky this, this different high school that I immediately like found and like there, I would say two of them. Oh, okay. Uh, see, in my mind, I was asking you about middle school. Oh, this is high school. Okay. So you really school. were just total alone. In middle school, I was yeah, yeah, completely yeah. alone. My yeah. best friends were the school slut in middle school mm-hmm. and the guy who wore the trench coat. And those were my friends. <laughs> you, I think you might've just described mean girls. Um, <laughs> that it yeah yeah i was I, that's all i had in middle school was so like, when you got to so were you doing stuff like dyeing your you were do, doing stuff like dyeing your hair when you were in middle i was school? doing with markers. With markers i, I didn't yeah. go full monty but i would do like yeah. streaks in my hair so then when you got to high school and you had eight or nine friends who were into like, the same I'm stuff you were in heaven yeah for sure i was like i'm fine i can be fine now oh yeah yeah it was a great that was a so it, it, as miserable as people can say high school was that that was actually amazing and i'm still like two of them are still two of my best friends like yeah. i'll always have those people in my life um, but I'm, and I'm very lucky that I found them because otherwise it would have just been me, the school slut and trench coat forever. And your sister's older. Did yeah. she, what was her experience? Like, was she, is she, was she like nutty like you or was she very We're nothing alike. Uh, we are, we're very similar in personality, but she was like femme fatale in high school. That was ultimately, that was a big part of it was that she is just stunning. She's a stunning girl would dress, like wear business suits in high school. So she went to the high school I was supposed to go to okay. and was incredibly popular, was in the drama like club, was like, would wear suits every day and like carry briefcases and all the, <laughs> oh my gosh. which is, uh, would totally went fantastic. All the dudes were into her. She was like mm. always perfectly like quaffed mm-hmm. and she just looked amazing. And then I have me who's just like this hot mess of a human being. <laughs> So a lot, and I, and I, that's what I'm saying. I realize now that me taking on, like, I'm like, I think I look ugly, but I'm going to make look ugly on my own terms at least. And I'm going to dye my hair and I'm going to do all this stuff to myself. Sure. Um, because if I'm not going to like how I look, I'm at least going to be in control. Well, that, and that feels very, um, my so-called life, right? I oh mean, yeah. That's just that God, sort that of, show. I didn't how want many it to, people did. I did not fault. want it to speak to me as much as it did. <laughs> Holy yeah. shit. Yeah. I loved that show. Can I be honest? I never watched it when I was younger. Um, I think... I don't know why I had a girlfriend who loved it and she, I, I've, I, I haven't really talked about her to the degree that I've talked about other friends on the podcast before, but her name's Sarah. And she was someone that I had such a positive, great relationship with. I've talked about on the pod, not to drag you into stuff that everybody who listens to the podcast knows, but, um, I had a friend that I still am just kind of like secretly in love with that. I was just passionately in love with, but very, you know, tempestuous. We made really bad choices together. Like that sort of like bad girl, like neither of our parents really liked each other for in their lives. Like you need to stop hanging out. Yeah. (laughs) Totally. Um, and that, and that was one sort of friendship. And then I, I had a few other close girl friendships, but this friendship was like on the kind of the other side of high school towards the end. And it was so healthy and so just like, we just adored each other and we respected each other and we never fought. And she had her stuff that she loved. And it was almost like I was her cheerleader for loving what she loved. And I loved what I loved. And we kind of didn't love the same stuff, but, but it there was, was okay. something kind of like we got to own, we had our own individual personalities nice. and independence. Cause and that think, does not happen. In yeah. School. With my yeah. other girlfriend, I felt like we were too alike yeah. and I was intimidated by that. It got to the point where I was like, where we would jokingly say a guy could date either one of us or, you That's know, something. I mean, there was something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and I think I got really scared of that. And, and I always looked up to her anyway. So I was like, well, for the same, she's the better version of oh my me. God, I've you had know? the exact same thing. So yeah. super scary. But, but Sarah and I, uh, we just, it just was like a very 
copacetic, like harmonious friendship. And she, I can tell, I can like list off the things that she was crazy passionate about. And none of them are things I was crazy passionate about and vice versa. She loved Pearl Jam. She, she loved Nirvana, but she really loved Pearl Jam. She loved REM and Michael Stipe. She loved Claire Danes. And so she had her, you know, and I think I always was just like, oh, those are your things. So I never really, I never really watched my so-called life. I finally saw, this is so sad. I, and for my podcast, this is for shame on me. I'm going to get so many comments. People are going to be like, shame on you, Janet. I, I finally watched the pilot like a few months ago and I thought it was wonderful. And I thought, oh, I totally need to start watching this. Uh, but it's like, it's not on Netflix and it was something so I would have had to bought on iTunes. Yeah. And so I just thought, oh, I'll, I'll end up knowing someone who has the DVDs and I'll just borrow them. And I still haven't seen it. Yeah, I don't but have the DVDs. It feels like from for what my podcast is, it's oh. a, it's not cool that I haven't seen it. It's so up your alley. And watching it then was one thing because you were half embarrassed that something could speak to you and your your wonderful individuality that something could so easily like someone could read you that easily. But all of us, all of us watched it. Like we didn't even talk about it. We just all watched it as yeah. like the thing that we know we know we are. We know what we're doing. <laughs> and it was such a revelation just in that pilot. She sneaks out. And doesn't get in trouble. That was a huge thing. That didn't really happen in TV shows back then, like for teenagers. Yeah. 90210 is always about like, oh, this consequence to these things that you've done and opening lessons. And yeah. yeah. She like sneaks out, doesn't get in trouble. It's a huge moment in that first episode. I'll never forget that. I got to watch it, guys. I got to get into it as soon as I get done with The Wire (laughs) again. And I think they even had like a box set that came in like something ridiculous, like a, a lunchbox. I was going to ask you if it looked like a locker or yeah, something. It, it, was, it came in something so 90s oh, like that. I, and I remember being like, I need to buy this. And being like, I yeah. don't have the money to buy this. And then it's just been fast forward a few years and I, I still don't have it. I should get it. What it makes me wonder when you just said that is there's this place and some of you guys who are kind of in the, the nerd slash comedy slash comic community and by comic, I mean comic books, um, may have heard of or not, but there's this place called Gallery 1988 in mm-hmm. Los Angeles, and they have really made a huge business for themselves curating shows that are all homage-based. They're all so, poetry, yeah. yeah, so it's like you can go see a show that's just portraits of Bill Murray or like something Bill Murray related from all of his various movies not or an just Wes Anderson yeah, just or just Saturday video Night games yeah. or just Saturday Night Live. Exactly, just closed. I wonder if there has ever been one for my so-called life because it I, seems like... It's so zeitgeisty. Right? It must be. It must I gotta email yeah, those guys. I should Jensen. I should say, Jensen, what's up with my so called life? You've gotta Jensen. do it. Come on, Jensen. That would bring out the like emo the girls oh, in I would be there. droves. I would I would maybe even cut myself in front of some stuff. Oh, I don't know. No. Oh no. I would not do that. I'm not oh, advocating that. No. Maybe a little. Oh <laughs> man. Yeah. Okay, so so you had so you had your group. I and, did. It is such a great time to celebrate just like doing things like that, mm-hmm. like being able to dye your hair pink and yeah. stuff. And this really was the one time in like, that's why I was like, it's this, I, I realized in my brain even then, like, this is the only time I'm going to be able to do like Good for like you this. to have the forethought to know. Yeah. I better enjoy this now because I might not dye my hair I'm pink anytime soon. I'm going to have a job soon. at some point. There's no way. Yeah. yeah. So I did, a, I dyed my hair quite a bit and it looked, most of the time it looked terrible. Like my mom was right. I'll say that my mother was 100% right. It did look ridiculous most of the time. Yeah. It didn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. I needed that as my backbone because I didn't have one. Like mm. I had to start on the outside and then kind of let it work inside. I get that. Uh, but I definitely needed it. I needed it externally first, I would say. Did you, um, did you guys do like the druggy thing too? I mean, that kind of goes along with some of what you're describing. A little so. bit. Not so much, especially not, uh, the, the, 
the friends that I had, they were more into just like music. Like we would go to concerts. We would sneak into concerts. That was like our big thing. We would figure out a way to sneak into shows. I, I managed to sneak into the gold circle pit of Woodstock, uh, not Woodstock, of um, Lollapalooza 1994. Okay. Like, these were like who the was things. Who was Lollapalooza 94? That was Beastie that was pretty Boys early on, and right? Green Day. That's and uh, who else was there? I, those were the two biggest acts. I would yeah. say were Beastie Boys. Uh, Smashing Pumpkins. I was going to say Temple of the Dog. Smashing Pumpkins was terrible on that Interesting. Yeah, could not sing live. I was very upset by that. You know what? That doesn't really surprise me that much. Right. It anyway, surprise that me. was our I thing. was not a huge Smashing Pumpkins fan, though. I kind of was, but I realized, like, oh, it kind of makes sense that he wouldn't be able to do that voice, like, live and yeah. project it out. Yeah. It, it feels like it crosses over into just, like, loud and whiny. Yeah. Oh. If you're not careful that's live. That's exactly what it was. Yeah. Yeah. And I went with a group of friends to that Lollapalooza, and I left my ticket at home. And this was the years before debit cards or anything. And so all my friends had to pull their cash to buy me a ticket at the door, and no one got to eat or drink anything the entire oh, day. No. Everyone was That's so angry with me. Though. Yeah. Oh. Angry. So angry with me. The whole day, people were like not speaking to me. And I was like, oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, no. I'm it's so almost sorry. not worth it. Yeah. It was fun, experience. though. By the end of the night, we were all friends again. But they were Well, I think we me. totally... I, I, it sounds to me like we totally would have been friends. Like if we'd been in the same school, there's no question that we would have right? been the same group of friends. I would think so. In a weird way. I know this is pushing it. But in a weird way, you actually remind me of my friend Sarah. <laughs> if I showed you a picture of her, you might be like, oh, interesting. I see it. Huh. Um... I'll see if I can root one up. Um, but uh, but what about boys? Like how does that – in terms of your confidence level and stuff, did you date within your group of yeah. eight or nine we friends? We all kind of made like, out with each you? other. Interesting. Like, yeah. And I wasn't – and that was what was cool for me was that uh, I wasn't super – I was super tall. That's the thing. I'm, how tall are you? 5'10". Yeah. Have you – how long have you been that tall? Has Pretty it- much my whole life. Like I got tall real fast. Yeah. I was always – I've joked on the podcast that I always had to stand in the – Back row. I literally center. have a picture. Back row center. Yes. Yeah. I'm always back row yeah. center. Mm-hmm. It's always me like slumping over in mm-hmm. photos, like yeah. trying to appear smaller. All my boyfriends were shorter than me until Every I was a freshman one. in high school. And then I dated a senior who was like 6'3. Well done. And it was a revelation. Yeah. And then I went back to dating pretty much always guys who are my height or shorter. Yeah, me too. It's, I guess that's what you're used to. Maybe it is kind of yeah. what you what you get used to. And do you wear heels now? I do. Yeah. But there is still some part of me, you know, even for like being with Chris for seven years and my boyfriend before that for five years also was shorter than me, probably even a little shorter than Chris. Um, And I did wear heels, but I... I always felt like gargantuan. Yeah. And in photos, I like will spread my legs. Like, and mm-hmm. like yeah. so I'm like, my I like to lean bed. up against stuff. Like, oh, here I am leaning casually <laughs> so that I that seem tall. smaller. Yeah. yeah. And that's when you, when you're very tall at a young age, like both of us are, it, it, it definitely affected the dating pool for me. Like boys were, they couldn't be seen dancing with me. They couldn't be seen walking hand in hand with me because I looked like, I was like a head taller than most of them. Yeah, and I it was really ridiculous. Relate. And just larger, just like everything about me because I, I was just larger than all of the girls and pretty much all of the guys. Yeah. And so once I kind of started like dyeing my hair and wearing Doc Martens and like fishnets, then I started attracting boys, uh, who kind of thought that was cool. But up until then it would, there was no, there was no going whatsoever. But then after that, it was uh, a lot of makeout sessions with, uh, in drama class. A lot mm-hmm, of drama class mm-hmm. makeouts. I did a lot of drama class makeouts too. 
I don't think people realize this. If you are in high school and you join drama club, you will, you will make out. Like, not only will you make out, but you'll probably have a lot of downtime. Like, oh, that so might have been, that when we weren't working, when we weren't specifically rehearsing a play, my teacher was nowhere to be found. Never. I don't even know what he was doing. Yeah. And we were just like making out in the dressing room with yeah. the lights out. Because it's a bat, you've got a backstage area. Yeah. I remember one, and this is one of my best friends, Carlos, who I dated for, you know, like in high school for like six months. He did like some speech on, on stage, came off stage and just started making out with me backstage and i was like this is the hottest thing that's ever happened never gonna get hotter than this never going and you have to change in front of each other sometimes like it's all this really grown-up stuff that you get to experience in a really concentrated way in fourth period why would you not make very true yeah that's very very true yeah we all made out with funny yeah okay so you didn't have serious like did you have ever like serious boyfriends my first serious boyfriend was sophomore year okay and that and i have a 16 year old cousin now who i always try to encourage like don't date long term like because i i wasted like i dated him almost two years what is anyone doing dating someone for two years when they're that age i could have been making out with everyone But instead, I felt like I got like really into this like fantasy of like, oh, we're in love, and sometimes it's hard, but you have to make it work. Aww, like, but I don't know. Maybe you were maybe you were getting yourself ready for being able to commit in a bigger way long term in when it's at a time when it really mattered. Because I don't That's feel like true. I didn't. I wasn't capable of that. Everything yeah. that I had lasted. I remember when three months seemed like a year yeah plus yeah, and it felt like God, we've been together forever, and it just you know if it didn't work out, and then lots of time when I didn't, you know, and I don't know that, I mean, I was definitely, you know, hormonal and kind of crazy, but, um, I had friends who were in serious relationships and I sort of, I feel like I envied the stability of that yeah. because everything else was so crazy and, and up in the air in high school and everything was so confusing and hard and stuff. But, um, but even in college, you know, I mean the first, the longest relationship I had was two years and that was when I was, a sophomore, like the end of my sophomore year of college began my first long-term relationship of it lasted oh, a total wow. of two years. Before that, I think I was with someone for like nine months and I seriously felt like we were an old married couple. <laughs> like I couldn't wait to get out of that relationship, which sounds terrible. No, that doesn't. But, I mean, see that, I guess it's just you envy on both sides because I definitely... Like, I, I remember just having this thing of, it set up this expectation of like, well, I'm just going to keep my head down and just get through this. <laughs> get no. through this? Get you're through right. this? If that's how you were feeling Holy then, you're shit. right. You yeah. didn't need to. And it took years to figure out. Well, where do you think that comes from? I don't know. I mean, I definitely come from, my parents are still married and they're very happily married. They're, they're great together. But like, I, I don't, maybe there was a sense of like, well, that's what the goal is. That's yeah. what you do. You, the goal is to find the guy that you're going to be with forever. Right. And so I would have the singer, I'd be like, oh, he's so annoying, but I mean, it's my boyfriend. I'll just keep my head down and just get through this. And it's like, get through this. That's your life. You're 16. What are you talking about? Get through this. You guys start going to counseling. It's like the most ridiculous. And it took me many years to figure out dating, uh, like I'm actually this I'm I'm married and this is my second marriage. I was married when I was very young, like 22, 23. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Uh, very amicably split up. It just did yeah. not, just was not right. But I had that same thing when I got married. Was like, well, I'll just get through this. I'm like, what? And then you just have you keep having this thing of like I'm like in my 20s. Like I, this is the rest of my life. I can't just get through this. Yeah. That's not what the goal is here. Yeah. But those relationships in high school are what trained me for that. So I think interesting. So, I mean, I, I don't know, maybe it's like you, you got to do a mix and like have one and then date a whole, I don't know what the, I don't know what the story is, but, uh, it definitely, I always encourage like younger women to like not settle down. There's no reason. Yeah. You're not going to marry this guy. What is the point? 
I mean, that seems, it does seem likely that you won't marry that, that person. Most likely you're not going to yeah. marry that guy, right? Oh, it's so, that's so interesting that you really felt like that much of a sense of responsibility, the heavy burden of that responsibility of, that, of surviving that relationship. How weird is that? At no such reason. a young age, a sophomore no in high school. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Let, so uh, tell me again how drag queens factor in. Oh, yes. Well, I just... Um, and Oh, this is the other thing I wanted to ask. I'm yes. sorry. But uh, maybe this will help tie in also. But did you have a sense when you were in high school of, I don't want to stay here in this town, in this community? Yes. I would like to move away. Yes. And if so, where did you want to go? Um, I kind of wanted to go to New York. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't know what, for what reason. I did like acting. I don't act now, but I did some acting then. And I was like, oh, well, clearly I'll go to New York and be an actress. And clearly. And I was... And there's just the School of the Arts, which is in Winston-Salem as well. I was in a couple of student films there. And I was like, well, I will just be in films. This is easy. Totally. <laughs> and then what I realized was like, that was a plan in lieu of a plan. Like that was just like a, I'll just do this thing. Um, and so, but I did know that I wanted to get out. I think there were times that I was concerned that I wasn't going to get out and that I would end up through relationships or through whatever being stuck. But I always thought of that as being stuck. So yeah. for me, like the leaving was the part that I was like, okay, I can, I can do this. And sure. I probably would have made a happy life for myself there. I'm glad I got out. Yeah. Yeah. So did you go to school there? Or did I went you go to, to school, school and grad school in North Carolina. Oh, you really? Okay. I yeah. fucking doubled down. Yeah, you and, did, DD. Yeah. In, in school, I went, uh, I went to college and, and, and for psychology and then decided to go to grad school to be a, become a therapist. And I was in a relationship at the time. And so he and I were both going to grad school. So we picked three cities. And whoever gotten, whichever one we gotten, we both got into the programs was where we would go. So we stayed. And was it, but at least you, did you, I mean, where was the college? Were you in the same town or yeah. did you? Well, that we were in like towns like 20 minutes apart. So we just lived in the middle and we both commuted. And did you, but you weren't living with your folks? No. Okay. No, no, no I wouldn't Okay. Well, you know, some people go to school and they stay living with their parents while yeah, they Yeah, I was really broke. If, but I, if they stay in the same place. I preferred being really broke to like having to do that. that Understood. Was, that was not a good idea. Understood. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. And so when did you, so, okay. So then a, when did you decide not to become a therapist and B, when did you leave North Carolina? Um, I left North Carolina in 2004 with the guy that I was with, got into a doctoral program in Chicago and I was like, you know what? I'm never, I would, I've always wanted to live somewhere. I wasn't really ready for New York. And so we ended up moving there together. But it was interesting. Once our buffer of like friends around us fell apart, we realized like, oh, we're not really meant for each other. This is kind of like not working. So it all worked out like really amicably. Um, So that's when I moved to out of North Carolina. It was 2004. And I I stopped practicing Is that the guy that you married? That's the, yeah, that's my first husband. Um, And then I stopped practicing therapy probably like two and a half years ago. Oh gosh. Yeah. Yeah, You could have been my therapist. I guess that would have been... (laughs) A lot of people are like, you should do therapy again. I'm like, I can't see you guys. You guys are people I know. That doesn't work. That's not how it works. It's not at how all. it works out. Uh, I've thought about that. Okay, thought- so you were practicing. I see. I didn't know that at all. Yeah, I graduated in 2003 and I practiced for six years. Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. And then I got just super burnt out. It is a very exhausting career. It's got to be. I've thought yeah. about, I mean, I, listen, I don't think I'll surprise anyone on the, who listens to the podcast to hear that I have thought about becoming a therapist, but... It's absolutely I'm so amazing. emotionally sensitive. Yeah. I just worry about that. Again. Even just at HuffPost Live, which I guess, by the way, guys, I can officially announce that I have resigned from HuffPost Live oh, for why? those of you who watched it because for a number of reasons, um, I don't think it's a surprise to anyone that I have too much going on. And so for me working that job, which was five days a week um, with like two weeks vacation, like a, like a, like a corporate job, like a real job. Yeah. No hiatus, no nothing. Um, 
So anything that I, I couldn't audition for anything, there were things that I was able to do like Burning Love that were built into my contract and Nickelodeon were built into my contract, but I couldn't, I didn't have the opportunity to go shoot a movie somewhere or, you know, the podcast I would have to just like jam out on weekends and... Which is then it's like now... Yeah, then it felt like, oh, how am I going to... Yeah, and then you don't have any downtime and, you know, shooting Neil's Puppet Dreams was on weekend. Everything was after hours and I was riding my bike to and from work because it was the only exercise I was getting and then I got in a bike accident because riding in LA is terrible. I heard about that. So it just, once I, once my personal leave started um, during Sketchfest, I just looked at it and thought... There's so much that I love about this job and it's taught me so much and it's been such an amazing six months, but I should probably feel more strongly about going back than I'm feeling. I'm it, really especially if it's feeling something you're having to give up other stuff for. Yeah. This is what I'm learning. Yeah. yeah. It was really, you know, and, yeah. and opportunities already, just even during Sketchfest, opportunities started to come towards me for just things that would, you know, let's do two, a couple days on Nicole's show. Let's do this and that. And, um, and I, I love the people there, but it's a, it's a career in broadcast journalism yeah. and I didn't go to school for that and yeah. I didn't. And so just <coughs> taxing in that way of the time commitment was one thing, but then also the fact that it was news and I love human interest pieces and I love, I mean, it's important to know what's going on. I feel now wildly underinformed because I was so spoiled, just like having it I'm turn sure. into my head all the time. But you know, for someone like me, and this goes back to the, the idea of being a therapist, I couldn't when I look back at living in the Connecticut shootings for days, all day, every day, seeing those children's faces and talking about them all day, it's not like you, you know, you read about it and then you cry about it and then you talk to your friend about it and it comes up in conversation during the course of a day. You're just, my job was to just live there. Um, I don't think it was good for me. And I think, and I'm in, complete awe and and i'm so grateful for people who can do that people and people who are doctors and people who are therapists and people who are emts who can live in that space and have created that emotional separation that absolutely has to exist yeah but i had no training for yeah. that there and was no, no one told me there what to expect things you have to do yeah that. and i just was like okay riding my bike home like ha 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 life is still beautiful right like, why am i crying like what's happening yeah. yeah like it it burns you it will and even with all the protection i had and i did i had some great supervisors who really taught me some great kind of distancing skills and like rituals for the end of the day for how you cleanse yourself of like the day didn't after a while I was like I'm miserable I'm so so miserable all the time and so I took a job with less uh intense clientele and then I was bored with them and angry with them for having it so good and not knowing it and then I was like oh this is terrible this This is is not not how it should go but that being said, I think becoming a therapist is will help you in literally everything you could ever do. Yeah, um, oh, I'm sure. And so I always tell it if you're even think if you're thinking about it and like it's a thing, I say go for it. Yeah, yeah, and it's you, amazing. And you know, people who find exactly who find what clientele really is a good fit for them, whether mm-hmm. it's couples counseling or it's working with kids or it's working with the elderly or it's just working with like privileged people, you know, that yeah. might be great for someone. And, um, and I loved working with teenagers because I think they are like the most honest, miserable amazing creatures oh, it's so it's so good and so raw and i know like college students and teenagers are my favorite oh, they're the best they're you guys the best. you guys are the best because i know a lot of you are a lot of you aren't but you were <laughs> um oh that's so interesting god only a couple of years ago did you stop practicing yeah. i don't yeah. know it's funny because i was gonna say um this is another fun opportunity for me to bring this up but i was thinking a lot about the podcast um, when I was at this animation convention and kind of getting a chance to meet some Cora fans, cause there are a lot of young women, uh, who love the show. And, um, 
uh, I was thinking that it would be fun to have like a little advice section in the pot in this podcast feels like it might be a good fit. So you guys let me know what you think. You're always so wonderful about weighing in with feedback, but I think it might be fun to have like what sucks is that this is a perfect opportunity because I have somebody who is actually a therapist to begin this process of, uh, getting advice. Um, you've given the advice of being a therapist, but I'm trying to think if I've had any recent emails from people who have asked me like how to handle something or their thought, a thought on, on how to handle something that I could just sort of bring up with you because Mm -hmm. it could be our very first time ever of doing the, uh, the JV club advice column. Oh, I like you just came Um, up with it. Look at you with the name. Yeah. I mean, listen, uh, that's not really, (laughs) that's just a name describing what it is. It needs to be more clever. I will also accept suggestions for what the, uh, advice, advice section would be. Um, but, but let me think about one for a second. Well, here's, here's, here's one that I've gotten in the past. Um, and again, this is like totally off the cuff, but I, I feel like I have a lot of people who, um, who have taken big chances in their lives and relocated. And this podcast, uh, has been kind of a nice touchstone for them on when they are feeling maybe like they don't have a community of people Mm -hmm. and, um, stuff like that. So do you have any kind of advice for people who are feeling on the outside of someplace new of how to sort of navigate through that process of, of maybe feeling a little lonely and feeling like you don't know how to connect with people that are going to connect back with you? Um, that's definitely a good question. And I, I also, I mean, I've moved, I moved from North Carolina to Chicago and then Chicago to New York and then New York to LA each time with just one person that I knew. Uh, and, and so that it's a very horrifying, isolating feeling. It's a, it, uh, even if it's exciting, even if you're excited yeah. to be where you are, yeah. there's still this, the, the isolation and then both can be Both things daunting. can be true. You can be excited about opportunities, but also feel very, um, intimidated and scared and alone. And like everybody is doing stuff without you, especially now with like Instagram and stuff like you literally can see the time that people are having without you. <laughs> Which no. is such a horrifying. Oh, so yeah. true. Just the other night, I was on a plane and everybody was having Game of Thrones parties, and I was like, "Oh, great, cool." <laughs> uh, I mean, I think a knowing that that those feelings never actually go away, even if you are settled into a community, everybody always will feel that way at some point in time. Everybody's yeah. always going to feel like an outsider, and feeling like an outsider is not bad, not a terrible thing. But if you want to feel more inside, I always tell people do things like take classes, get involved in places where people gather. Uh, in the community, I always take dance classes. Whenever I move to a new nice. town, I will take a dance class. I love dancing and it helps you just get a sense. You, you feel like you're around people. I also go to coffee shops and will just, for me, it's like just literally being around people yeah. who aren't the people I know. Yeah. And that's a good, uh, it's a good start to kind of, not that I'm like, oh, make a conversation, then introduce right. yourself, but just literally being around people and watching them and kind of getting a sense of like, these are the people that are here. This is where I live. Yeah. Um, that's a really good point. And I think that's because it is very easy to just stay at home if mm -hmm. you don't have a reason to go out or someone to meet Yeah, and to just kind of suck it up and go, well, I've got this book that I'm reading. You know what? I'm just going to go read it in this coffee shop instead. At least I'll be in a social environment. 100%. And that often does help. It doesn't, sometimes it makes you feel, I I feel like sometimes it makes some people feel more lonely, but for me, it's always been like a, a very positive experience to be. And if you ever read anything like The Watchmen, if you read like a, a graphic novel in public, someone will probably say someone's something. Someone's going to talk to you. Oh, oh, it's time for a quick break. I will be back after a word from our friends at Maximum Fun. Hi, 
I'm Joe Firestone. And I'm Manolo Moreno. And we're the hosts of Dr. Game Show, which is a podcast where we play games submitted by listeners regardless of quality or content with in-studio guests and callers from all over the world. And you can win a custom a magnet. A custom magnet. Subscribe now to make sure you get our next episode. What's an example of a game, Manolo? Pokemon or medication. How do you play that? You have to guess if something's a Pokemon name or a Medi- medication. Medication. First-time listener, if you want to listen to episode highlights and also know how to participate follow dr game show on facebook instagram and twitter we'd love to hear from you it's really fun for the whole family we'll be every other wednesday starting march 13th and we're coming to max fun snorlax pokemon yes nice All right, let's get into, uh, I'm very excited to, this is, we're, we're uh, doing a little bit of groundbreaking here. Ooh. I use a, a, a fortune teller slash cootie catcher, cootie catcher on yeah. the uh, on the show, and this is a brand spanking new one, courtesy Victoria Eden. Um, so I don't know what these questions are, but they are new to the audience. Um, and we will uh, start by letting you pick one of these colors. I'm going to go yellow. Okay. You have to touch it. Hold on. I have oh, to touch sure, it. Yeah. There we go. Y e l l o w. Haven't done this in like I know, right? Uh, I'm gonna go number three. One, two, three. Okay, another one. Two. One, two, one more. I I think that's a six. Yeah, six. Okay. Whoa. All right, six. And your question is, how old were you when you had your first kiss? <laughs> um, I had I had one that I wouldn't count. That was I spin the bottle. And that was like 12 mm-hmm. and no, like I didn't want to do it. He didn't want to do it. I don't really care. Okay. That. You don't have to get yeah. that. Now a year later I was, uh, I went to uh, a theme park that's in our home state of North Carolina with a bunch of people that were like, it's like a church group, but not really. Cause I didn't really go to church, but these were all people that I kind of had known growing up. Okay. And there was one kid there named Jason who just was a liar, like the biggest liar. <laughs> he told me he was in a band that opened up for Guns N' Roses. Oh my. A rap band. Oh, and this inventive. was 1990, like two. So what are you even talking about? Um, <laughs> he told me all these like crazy stories about how he had guns and like, he was just like one of those liar guys that you let yourself believe it at the time. But part of your brain is like, this is ridiculous. Yeah. I know that you're lying. And, uh, we were like walking around the park all day together and I was so parched that I didn't have any, like, uh, like I hadn't like you know, you're hot. You're out in the sun all day. I was like, my mouth was dry. I felt disgusting. I was all sweaty. And in this disgusting, sweaty state, he like just leaned in and went for it. In oh line. Yeah. no. And so I felt, uh, I was like half a second. I was like, oh, this is gross. And I was like, oh yeah. <laughs> uh, I was probably 13. I'll use his saliva. Yeah. God, he didn't have any either. It was so, oh, it was like no. the driest. A dry, dusty kiss. It was just dusty, like a summer day at a theme park with like it's no. It's really easy to picture actually <laughs> everything that you've just described. And he was so, uh, yeah, he, he was just a, a big liar. And then we like, we kind of like off and on dated for a little bit after that, but like, he was just like too ridiculous of a liar <laughs> of a human being. And I was just like, I'll put up with it. I think he was the same kid who told me that he, he played a misfit song for me and told me that he wrote it. Oh my. <laughs> just like real ball. This guy stuff. is like for real sure in prison. <laughs> yeah. Oh, 100%. Or he's got like five kids. What is it? Five kids. Or sure. he's got three lives yeah. and the five kids are scattered throughout the three lives with his three wives. Most definitely. That, that's most likely. That is most likely. I would say. Jason. Yeah. yeah. That's a pretty good first kiss story. What's yours? Do you have one? Have you talked about it? Before? Um, my first well, I mean, I kissed a lot. I guess I, I don't remember my, I think I've talked about it on the podcast, but I've, 
I, I kissed a lot. My boyfriend, when I was in elementary school, we actually smooched quite a bit. Elementary school boyfriend? Uh, yeah. Look at fifth, you. fifth grade, sixth grade, things got real serious. Yeah. I want to say quickly that, um, that that particular person is very out now, is a Isn't very, very handsome, very happy uh, gay man. I adore him. Yeah. Uh, but we sure made out a lot when we were little. <laughs> And, um, hormones is hormones, hormones is hormones for (laughs) sure. Uh, and, but we didn't French kiss. So I do remember my first French kiss. It was like, make out if you weren't, I don't know. We were just like mushing mouths, I guess. Just kissing, kissing. Okay. I don't know. I know it's weird, right? It is weird. For long periods of time. No tongue. It's amazing. Um, and then I can't remember if I told the story. If I told it, I probably told it on June Rayfield's episode because I remember her talking about kissing a lot, but, um, I kissed a guy at my friend's house it was like my friend she had a brother the same uh, roughly the same age they weren't twins and his friend was over and at some point the, the brother and sister disappeared and we were just alone in this room on a bunk bed no less nice and he french kissed me and i do remember thinking this is weird like i yeah. get i know that i've i know i've it's I've supposed to have been doing this kind of kissing before now if sure. I've kissed so much, but this is definitely a tongue in my mouth and what do I do with it's it? Such a weird I definitely remember feeling like I whoa, okay. Yeah, and would you watch on television when they would have like kissing scenes and like I would like I would like pause it and rewind in movies and be like, What exactly are they doing? Like, yeah, and but in, in most mo- and in most movies a lot of the time they aren't Frenching. They They're just kind of fake. They're, They're doing what I was doing. They're doing what I was doing. I was movie kissing you guys. I was just movie kissing a, d- a handsome gay man. And I, um, I also ordered from the back of like Teen Magazine the Get Him system, which was oh, this. Oh, I do not know what that oh, is. Oh, it's a very 1970s booklet about how to flirt. It's it. So it's like the rules, kind of. It was hilarious. Like I wish I, I wish to God I still had it now. But it came with a bonus book called How to Kiss. We gotta Which, look this up and see if it's out there. You, somewhere. I've seen a scan of one of the books on there, okay. and it's just like it's like intercut. Like boys like it when you're yourself. Uh, intercut with like photos of like dudes with feathered haircuts. Like it's <laughs> the not, it's not helpful at all. And it also was like, uh, what do you like for the kissing one? Is like, what happens if you're wearing glasses? Or like, well, just take them off. Like it's like the worst. Like what? Oh, thanks for all of your help. You can move your head gently back and forth. Great, that's really helpful. But I read through it like obsessively. <laughs> That's like amazing. this will help me. This will help me. Yeah, yeah. It did not really. It help didn't me. really help yeah, you. No. Uh, what is it? The Get Him series. Get Him system, and it the came with the secret system. Yeah. system. Yeah, that is fantastic. System meaning book. All right, now I'm also going to use for the first time ever because this is a recent surprise Ooh. gift from Victoria and Jules. Uh, a mash game. They oh, made no. me a special pad, a special mash pad that has all of the lines ready for me to be filled in. Um, I cannot thank them enough. Girls, this was a complete joy to receive and total shock and delight. Um, I put, a, I tweeted a picture of it. I will put a picture of it on the Facebook page as well. And I'm sure that the girls will make sure that it's on our Pinterest account too. So you can see, uh, the visual representation. Yes. And so everything we talked about, including I'm sure the get him system, if there is any kind of imagery online will be represented on your Pinterest nice. page. That's good. That makes so, um, I'm, and I'm sure there will be pictures of donuts, hot sauce and fitting cigarettes. Um, okay. So I'm filling this in now and I'm going to use, I just am fresh off of checking my email and I got an email from uh, Tammy who gave some really fun uh, new mash categories and I'm, so I'm going to use all of them today in this game. Uh, but before I do her suggestions, I would like to ask you to give me three uh, guys 
all due respect to Kumail Nanjiani, who is a wonderful catch and your husband, but this is fantasy land. This is okay. old school mash. Okay. So I you were picking. Okay. Well, I'm just asking you to pick uh, three things in various categories that I'm responsible for giving okay. you. So in this case, mash represents m- mansion, apartment, shack, or house. That's right. Okay. And it's so these back. are three guys, and you will end up marrying one of them. Okay. In another dimension. Uh, it's most fun if none of them are like random guy Jason and Sure. They someone, need to be like celebrities, They can right? be celebrities, right. um, but uh, they could be like celebrities from yesteryear. You know, if you, okay. if you used to have a huge crush on someone and it's this is that who, who you would have had a crush on back in the day when you played this, you can also give okay, those. Okay, let's go with uh, uh, John Cusack circa 1988. Genius. I can't believe no one's picked him before. <laughs> oh, I love it. Um, I'll go ahead and mix it up and go with, uh, my current, my current crush, which is Peter Dinklage. Understood. Such a badass. He is. And I have no problem being taller than him. I have no problem. Well, his wife is taller than him, right? His dog is taller than him. It's amazing. He's, he, oh, he He fucking kills it. I love it all. Um, okay. Third guy. Maybe I should go with another old, if we're going to go with another old era, it's going to have to be Christian Slater, Slater, Heather's era. Oh, love it. Who didn't? God, so sexy. he was our generation's Jack Nicholson back then. He literally, literally was. Yeah. He was trying so hard. Yes, <laughs> he did a decent job. And I was thinking about him because I actually saw he was in some uh, movie on Cinemax today called The Gringo that I just happened. Oh. And I was like, and at, he had he had a show for a while, right? He's had like three or four yeah. shows. Like, I don't know why we want him, but we once we get him, we don't we know want what to do old with school him. Christian Slater. Yeah, it's, it's it's hard when I think you're that much of a like John Cusack seamlessly has had a career from when he was a teenager all the way through until now. Yeah, and some people get caught in i don't know one could argue that maybe he's a better actor john cusack but one could argue that i feel like he's kind of slipped a little lately like i feel like he's not picking like I, what is he, he in? may the, be right the raven what that he was in that you may be right yeah he, he, he may be making some questionable choices yeah uh okay so now we're getting into some tammy questions um and i might sprinkle in a couple of other ones but uh she suggested and i think this is really interesting if you had an extra body part now bear with me here oh. that doesn't mean like you have three arms but okay. she's like what if you had wings or what oh, if you okay. had you know what i mean if there's any kind of interesting um, like thing that adds to your existing and now do i do three of these self. or just one just uh, you need three because you'll end up with wow. one okay i i mean wings you said it but it definitely yeah. would be one uh, when i was a kid and people would ask me what i wanted to be when i grew up i would say a bird <laughs> like i definitely wings are very adorable. important adorable um i would say i would say another mouth would be good interesting okay. yeah mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i would say another mouth would be great i don't know where that, that other mouth goes um somewhere on the neck area like okay. a stoma <laughs> I love like where you have a stoma <laughs> I want one there maybe for I don't even know if it's for eating or if it's for kit or talking while I'm eating or oh that's a good idea yeah maybe or talking while I'm making out it's super creepy but I like, like it a, some kind of sexual yeah I don't know there's something there there's definitely something interesting happening there uh and I would probably want a cat growing from me mm-hmm. that you I can just be connected to it all the yep. time like a lap cat that when you stand up is just just your vagina <laughs> I guess I'm just asking for a vagina. (laughs) Great. I wrote cat growth, but uh, we all know what that means. Um, This is very interesting. Okay, so this is kind of fun. 
uh, if you're into this sort of thing, um, who built the house that you live in? Like, are there any kind of architectural styles? It doesn't have to be, if you don't know a specific architect's name, but you could be like, it's kind of a Spanish style house. The house or, that I live in currently. Uh, but I mean like, oh, no, like your fantasy house. Oh, my fantasy house. Your fantasy house, house could oh, be okay. like a castle. Your fantasy yes, house could right. be a, a, you know, um, Frank Lloyd Wright. It yes. could be a... I, Frank Lloyd Wright absolutely yeah. would be one of them. Okay. One of the few things that I actually care about. My mom kind of, when she visited Illinois, we would, when I lived there, we would go because there's one like in Chicago, like in the... Yeah. I, that actually made sense to me. Um, other than that, I would say I've always wanted to live in like a, um, like a hobbit hole. Mm, okay. Like a, yeah. Like a hobbit hole. That's hobbit a, holes that's are it. really cute. Like in the Shire. Yeah. The fact How that it's cozy. like built into the earth and it's like I a know. round door. I know. I There's it. a couple of, um, it feels like, I can't remember what magazine tends to, I think Dwell magazine tends to do a good job of track, tracking down places like that. Yeah. And I have somewhere someone who basically built a hobbit hole there's like a magazine spread that i tore Peter out Jackson apparently has it. two he has, has kept he two does. from the set and they're just in his backyard like the entire thing yeah yeah that's not the worst thing in the world is it no i don't think so um okay so that's the second one what about the third, third one? one i would say i'm gonna go treehouse love it yeah really really great choices Thank you. Um, I appreciate your support. You, you and your second mouth. Made, maybe. I can't guarantee they're going to have two mouths. Guarantee. I'm not able to guarantee that Put at this time. Calls. Um, okay. And then this one is very kooky too, but I think it's really cute. Um, <laughs> she's, she says, what is, what is, what, what is your fantasy world breath smell like? Are you always eating cotton candy? Does it uh, smell like roses? Does it smell like donuts? Cause you're always eating donuts. What does your breath smell like? Um, three. I would say there's this thing called pandan that's, uh, that Kamal's people do mm-hmm. that is basically like flavored. It's like perfumed wood that you chew on and it's like oh. a breath freshener. And I don't like chewing on it at all, yeah. but I like how it makes your mouth okay. taste. So I would say that. Wow. Who knew you'd have such a perfect answer ready to go? Good I job. I hate, I love it. The after effects, but that, yeah. I don't want to chew on wood. Who wants to do Understood. that? Um, what other kinds of flavors do you like? Let's go with mac and cheese. Mm-hmm. Good mac Great. and cheese breath. Great. And then the last one will just go window green. Great. Yeah. Because that's just good for other people as well as me. Green. It is. It's a you're welcome to everyone Mm -hmm. else. Um, What about uh, if you had to have this a bit violent? If you had to have a secret weapon? Secret weapon. I'll I'll tell you one of the examples that she gave me that I thought was delightful was one of those poisonous frogs. (laughs) You can just bust out and make someone lick it real quick. Um, Secret weapon. I think... I would go with like that thing that you can pulse that makes people shit their pants. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? It's like a tone you can make that makes people shit their pants. I've never heard of this, <laughs> but I'm going to put a pants shitter. Pants shitting tone. A pants shitting tone. Okay. Uh, <laughs> supposedly, I mean, these it's great. This is akin to hot dogs. Maybe that it's great. just something I made up. Uh huh. Um, <laughs> I would also go with like a, the ability to create, a, I mean, I guess all humans have this anyway, the ability to create like a bad smell. <laughs> I guess, I mean, it's something like a human skunk. Yeah. Human skunk. Okay, That's it. I, got I like that. Skunk. <clears throat> I love all of your answers. And then just an arm that's a knife. <laughs> knife arm. Sure. Wouldn't that be great? Sure, you bet. I really liked, because that's in a, that movie, uh, what's her name? Oh, God. Rose McGowan has the, the leg that's a gun. Yeah. I always there thought that was kind of cool, too. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to go with knife arm, though. I love knife arm. Okay. Knife arm's fantastic. These are going off like a uh, house on fire. <laughs> um, okay. Fictional characters you wish existed in real life. 
Oh, God, that's so hard. Oh, Jesus. Could be like, I wish Professor Xavier was real and I could hang out with him. Number one is Gizmo. Great. 100%. Love it. Great answer. Number two... I thought there was someone I was watching in a movie the other day and I was like, I wish you were real because I would just want to hang out with you. You know what? I'm going to even maybe go Angela Chase from My So-Called Life. Perfect. Let's bring it beautiful it full circle. Beautiful. And then the giant and iron giant. Um, <laughs> that's a great one. It's been a while since I've seen that movie. That's a great movie. That is a great movie. Um, okay. So that is it for, uh, for Tammy's questions, but I have two more categories. So I'm going to go with... Um, uh, like a country or a place that you would like to live. It could even be fictional if you wanted to live in the Shire. Okay. I'm going to go Narnia. Great. Then I'm going to go Tokyo. Mm-hmm. I don't think I'll ever live there, but I would like to. Have you been there? Never. Me neither. I got to go. It's funny that I'm like, yeah, of course I want to live there. No, I've never been there. Yeah. <laughs> what are you talking about? Yeah, because this is the fantasy of what it would be like. You've and also the, never been to Narnia. Yeah, that's true. The place that I have been that I would want to live in is uh, Mel- Melbourne, Australia. Okay. Because the food there is better than any food I've ever eaten in my life. Now, I'm going to... I probably will end up there, but I am for sure going to New Zealand in uh, late May, early June. That's amazing. A.K.A. the Shire. Um, are you going to do that stuff? Or are you going to do like Lord of the Rings stuff? I mean, I, I mean, why not? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what's available to me. I, I need to do the research. Yeah. Uh, but when I was talking to Tig Nataro, uh, recently at dinner about going there, she said, where are you flying into? And I said, I don't know. And I said, I don't know if I'm even getting over to Australia, like Melbourne or anything. And she said, it's Melbourne. It's true. It's Melbourne. And I said, I'm, yeah. I'm sorry. And she said, you have to say it's Melbourne. When you're too. there. 100%. And I said, do I have to say it here? And she was like, yes. <laughs> so apparently we have to call it Melbourne here. Me- well, no. <laughs> I mean, when you say Melbourne here, people are like, what are you talking about? Yeah. So then you have to say Melbourne. So I would rather just say Melbourne and then wait till I'm there to say Melbourne. But they're very adamant about that. It's true. Melbourne. Yeah. But they're just saying what we're saying, but they say there are differently. Yeah. They just have an ac- a different accent. I, I will often say an accent and then Camille always goes, uh, you mean a different accent because you have an accent. Good point. Yeah, Sarah. that's Good fair. Point. Yeah. I know. Good point. That's very, very true. That's what husbands are for, I think. Yeah. To, Especially to when remind you that you're wrong. ESL husbands. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> Correct. With accents. Yeah. I mean, um, okay. And then my last one will be, what, what, what do I think you'll have good answers for that aren't already on here? I mean, these are all so flawless. Well, what about like a, another career, imaginary or real, um, oh, God. different, different careers? Um, whether you have any sense of what it actually takes to do them or not. Yeah, no, probably not whatsoever. Uh, uh something, definitely something with animals. I would say like, uh, we're going to go real basic for the first one, like working at like a foster shelter mm-hmm, for animals. Mm-hmm. Then I read about this thing where you, these people will put on uh princess parties for little girls that they just for the day have them come and like, it's like a whole day where they have like stuff that they wear and they're like, oh. uh, and I've, I've often thought that could be a fun way that I could use, like do something as a therapist and then yeah. also incorporate like, like have a good time and let little girls have birthday parties. Interesting. Yeah. I, it's funny that you'd bring that up because uh, regular listeners know that we just talked about the princess phenomenon on mm. the very last episode that aired with Constance Zimmer because um, she was talking about a book called, I think, Cinderella Ate My Daughter. I wrote that book. Yeah. Peggy Orenstein, I think it's by. I got to read it. It's great. It's a really good book. Okay. I've got princess party. And I'm definitely not, I, I don't want, I think every girl just goes through a princess phase. Yeah. And if that's the case, then why not let us be the ones to help dictate what that actually means? I like that. Yeah. I like that. Okay. okay. What's your third one? The third one would be, I want to make flavors. Flavor maker. 
I just, uh, I, let's call it a flavor tier. Flavor tier. I saw a thing on television about people who make flavors the other day, and I was like, how do you get that job? I don't want to be a chemist, but I want yeah. that job. Flavors. Oh so they, so a flavor tier would not just be responsible for like you'd be hired out to like make an ice cream flavor yeah. as easily as you would be to like make a sauce, a hot sauce flavor. Absolutely. These are great. Yeah. These are just great. We can do that. Okay. Um, tell me when to stop. Oh no. I've run out of room. Stop. <laughs> okay. I'm counting these rings. Um, God, this is all coming. One, back two, to three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. I'm going to be very busy, guys. Um, I'm pausing this. Uh, we'll be right back with your results. <laughs> okay. Good morning. Hi there. <laughs> Good morning. I hope you slept well. I've been yeah. up all night doing this because <laughs> it was twelve. Um, always a challenge to figure out where to start. Uh, the first thing I'm going to say is, I guess I'm going to get this one uh, out of the way first, which is that um, in this world, without ever having to chew wood, mm-hmm. I want you to know that you have pond on breath. That's amazing. So congratulations on that. Um, oh, wait. You know what I just realized? It's actually pond. 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 Somebody okay. would kill me if I didn't. Pond. It's pond okay. and not pondon. Okay. Pondon is another flavor that's like a green pistachio flavor. It's pond. Oh, that sounds good. Okay. Yeah. So pond. Okay. So pond breath. Sorry about that. Guys. Good old pond breath. <laughs> um, I don't know how many apartments Frank Lloyd Wright designed. Ooh. But he certainly designed yours. This one. Definitely this one. Okay, and I'm excited about that. He came all the way to Narnia to do it. I have an apartment in Narnia? Yeah. You have a Frank Lloyd Wright designed apartment in Narnia. That sounds like Narnia. I know. That's, <laughs> That's fantastic. Perfect. I like that. So he somehow got himself into Narnia, I guess, through the wardrobe. One can only assume. Definitely. Um, so congratulations on that. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I can't think of another realm in which it would make more sense for you to have a cat growth. I have a cat growth. You have a, a lap, a lap vagina, a, a pussy lap. I have a pussy lap. Um, great. When I sit down, it's there. When I stand up, it's there. <laughs> that's what you got in Narnia. In Narnia, so that's good. And um, I'm assuming that you aren't judged for it in a negative way by your best friend, the Iron Giant. <gasps> really? No. He could have carried Isn't me. Isn't that great? Yeah. I know. What is the thing he says about guns? I can't remember a single line from the movie. I can't remember a single line from the movie either, but it's so good. I just remember visual imagery from the movie more than anything. That's true. Um, Okay, so that takes care of all of those things. Now, if anything happens and the Iron Giant isn't around to protect you, I want you to rest assured you can emit a tone that causes people to shit their pants. I got the pants shitting tone? Yes. Now, what were the other two again? Arm knife. I mean, knife arm and human skunk. <laughs> You're, there was no losing. Oh, you were going to be fine though. no matter what you got. But, I, but you got the pants shitting tone, which was your first immediate go-to. So congratulations on that. Thank you. Um, don't get on my bad side. I certainly don't <laughs> want to. I do want to congratulate you for your relationship with Heather's era Christian Slater. I got him. You got our generation's Jack Nicholson. God. Many people will argue that he is not our generation's Jack Nicholson, no, including myself. Not. He's our, our generation's impression of Jack Nicholson. Correct. Very sexy in that movie. Correct. Holy Lord. Um, and then finally, I want to round up with the last uh, category that we did, which is to let you know that your dreams have come true and you have become a certified flavor tier. <gasps> really? In yeah. Narnia? 
in Narnia. I could do all the Turkish delight flavors. You're gonna there are gonna be flavors created that not even Harry Potter's Birdie Bots beans or whatever it is, yeah, no. flavored beans could come up with. In Narnia, the sky's the limit. It's gonna be amazing. Aslan's so you're gonna have gonna sky flavored beans. Ooh, can because I have that's the Aslan limit. As my lap growth, also. Oh, great! Absolutely. So God is. I don't see why not. God is your person. Yeah, yeah, correct. <laughs> okay, good. Um, things have worked out very, very well in your imaginary world, but I also would argue that they've worked out in your real world. <laughs> Um, Emily, this has been a complete joy. What a delight. Thank you so much for doing the podcast. Thank you for having me. Um, any questions or, uh, thoughts that you guys have, I welcome you to contribute them to our, uh, Twitter account, to our Facebook page, to our Nerdist page. I was thinking about building a JV club website the other day and I just got tired thinking about it because there's like too many other things to have to manage. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, I think that's it guys. Uh, any parting remarks? Enjoy my my flavor flavor making and pants shitting. Yeah, uh, guys. I wish that I had a weird tone I could play right now just to <laughs> test it to see if anyone would shit their pants. Weird. What if one person shits their pants just from that noise? Listen, that if just one person shits their pants, you've done your job. Then I'm in Narnia. Then you're definitely in Narnia, guys. <laughs> the show is recorded by me and edited by Julian Burrell. And as always, the JV Club theme song is Back Before We Were Brittle by the amazing Say Hi. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.